and shoes. What's the matter, Morty? Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Fashion has changed. Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And uh, we're continuing on the low Manolo train, and we are doing what arguably, according to you guys, is maybe the worst episode in Sex in the City history, Anchors Away, episode one of season five. Yeah, this seemed to be the consensus in the comments section on one of our Patreon posts, but... I don't know. Again, I kind of think no episode of Sex in the City is that bad. That's why we love this show, right? Yeah, I was surprised. There was so much of the dialogue that we still quote is oddly in this episode. I think people consider it a low Manolo episode because it was the beginning of like, ooh, this is not going to be a good season. Right. Or this is not the same. Well, also it's coming off of... (laughs) 9-11? Coming off of 9-11, I was going to say season four, which was a very strong season, uh, but also 9-11. So wait, this wasn't the first episode back after 9-11, was it? So here's what's confusing is they shot season four before September 11th happened, but season four aired after September 11th. Okay. Or right. the second part of it. So this came back July 2002? Right. And also, Sarah, I almost said Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Jessica Parker is pregnant. And so this is the first episode of pregnant Sarah Jessica Parker, but not pregnant Carrie Bradshaw. And also short-haired Carrie Bradshaw, right? Or did she cut her hair in season four? In season four for the Vogue. Right, right, right. Okay, that's what it was. Right. So this episode starts on the south side of Central Park in front of the Plaza Hotel where Big and Natasha had their engagement party. She's going to the Paris Theater, which is a very classic uh, New York movie theater. Were you surprised that she eats Whoppers? (laughs) The candy, not to be confused with the iconic Burger King burger. No, I was more surprised that we got the Carrie run as she was going into the theater. Right. I would think she would be into Twizzlers like you. Yeah, you know. Twizzlers if I can get them. Red Vines if (laughs) if they're there. I also think that Carrie would really relate to Nicole Kidman's AMC commercial, (laughs) especially in this episode. Like, she definitely thinks that heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Well, Nicole Kidman's monologue in that AMC ad is essentially all of Carrie's voiceovers and column. It's true. So yeah, the whole point is that Carrie is dating the city. She's by herself seeing a film. Do you like going to movies by yourself? Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a loner, of course. <laughs> I like, before I met you, I didn't know people before I went to college where I could be like, hey, do you want to see like Picnic at Hanging Rock at the Hammer Museum? So yeah, I saw a lot of movies alone. <laughs> Yeah, I used to do that when I lived in New York, but it's been a really long time. I feel like the last movie I saw by myself was that Marina Abramovic documentary, and I feel like that came out like 10 years ago, so... Because every film that comes out, we just ask each other, like, do you want to see this? It's true. So now there's a brunch scene. Yeah, we're straight into the diner scene, which... You know, might be a signal of like, okay, this could be a a good episode, but immediately uh, the vibe is off because guess what? Miranda has a fucking baby, so everything's (laughs) over now. 
Yeah. She has a baby, but it's not at the point where, like, she's, like, frazzled and her hair is fucked up and she looks like a shell of a human being. Like, she's still pretty fresh at this point. And I guess the irony is that Cynthia is is also pregnant during this season. It was something where when Miranda was pregnant, Cynthia wasn't pregnant. But it's like when Cynthia had to look thin after having Brady, she was pregnant with her second child. Right. I didn't realize, I always associate policing diner talk with the first film, with referring to sex as coloring, but I didn't realize it starts in this episode (laughs) when Charlotte's like, instead of saying pussy, say sushi. Yeah, I love that. I also love Carrie's look in this scene because it's really giving little orphan Annie. It's a very nice callback to her Broadway origin story. And when I watch this, I realize like, shit, I've never seen Sarah Jessica Parker sing those Annie songs like when she was a child. So I immediately just had to check it out. I sent them to you. What did you think? I mean, I've seen them before. I feel like when, you know, CBS Sunday Morning does profile pieces on Sarah Jessica Parker, they play those clips yeah we'll drop uh, some audio here i have a question for you what is date night? Because Charlotte is horrified. I mean, I know what the concept of a date night is. I just mean, what day do you think they're referring to? Friday or Saturday? I think Saturday's date night. Okay. Because I only know date night in like mafia film terms because, you know, the gumad, <laughs> the mistress is for Friday nights. Wives are for Saturday nights. Yeah. So. Date night. That's <laughs> the above ground date night. Do you feel like you've ever dated a city before, Chell? Yes, kind of. I wouldn't call the city my girlfriend because that's creepy and that makes me seem like one of those like objectum sexuality people. Is that what it's called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the people that are in love with like bridges. And... The woman that married the Eiffel Tower. Exactly. Yes. No shade to any of our listeners that may have this. Um... Love of places? <laughs> that may have this particular proclivity. I wouldn't say I'm in a relationship with the city, but I know how she feels, right? Right. I know what it feels like to have like a great day in New York by yourself where you're like going to the movies and going to a museum and like spending an hour looking at books in the Strand and just like loving that. But then of course, (laughs) things can turn abusive as Carrie soon learns. I realized that this episode, for two reasons, scarred me for life. One of which is Charlotte saying that you only get two great loves in your life. Because I was watching this show as it was airing live. So I was, I mean, I was like 14 when I was watching this. And I was like, okay, we're like writing it down. Like, you only get two great loves. I love Miranda's line where she's like, where did you read that? Convenient (laughs) theories for you monthly or something. Charlotte qualifies a great love as a great love that shakes you to your core. Do we consider Trey as someone that shook Charlotte to her core? Yeah, she was in love with him. I don't think there's a cap on great loves. It just depends what kind of person you are and how your life plays out. But I think that you could have more than two. Although I feel like there's one that always dominates. Like there's the Richard Burton. Right. The man, not the bulldog. Richard Burton to Elizabeth Taylor as well. Not just all of our (laughs) individual feelings about the actor Richard Burton. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but this is where we get the line, Steve's a friend, not a core shaker, which we have quoted in our book throughout and just like that. And I didn't realize it came from this episode. Yet she's still trying to get him to fuck her in the kitchen years later. <laughs> And then the other great line, I'm done with great loves, I'm back to great lovers, comes from this episode too. Yeah. So they leave the diner and I guess are going shopping or something, to which Miranda's like, I have a child. Well, this is another, they, they're in Madison Square Park, it seems. And so it's like, wait, the diner's in Soho, Carrie wants to go shopping down. Lauren, again, with the logistics, you have to stop. You have to All let right. this go. All right, I'll let it go. Like Charlotte told uh, Samantha at the diner, you have to let him go. Yeah, because Samantha's still in her feelings about Richard. Another Richard. Yeah. Richard Wright, not Richard Burton. So Samantha shoves Miranda in a cab. This is the episode where everyone is so rude to Miranda. Like, I would hope that if I had a kid, my friends wouldn't completely disown me. Well, this is the other part that scarred me for life, is I was like, oh, okay, so your life is over when you have a child. And now that I'm in my 30s and my friends and, like, family members have kids, it's like, it's chill. It's fine. Yeah, but if your life is, like, going out to clubs at the meatpacking district and then, like, spending entire days being hungover, you can't really do that when you have a baby. Although Miranda actually could since... As we learned in this episode, she doesn't just have Magda. She has a whole other nanny. So she's a two-person staff. She has what seems to be a night nurse? Full-time caretaker? I don't know. She has a name. It's Lena. Um, but it's Fleet Week. It's Fleet Week. Which was a concept introduced to me through this show. But then you noticed it. Yeah. When you lived in New York. Which yeah, you can't not. Which just passed because they come in around Memorial Day. Right. I never did go to a Navy party. Yeah, where are these Navy parties? Are they all in Midtown hotels? Is that why I never ended up going to one? I think we didn't go to one because we don't exactly like rub elbows with people that are in the military. I mean, no shade to um, the brave souls serving our country, but... Well, now I'm shipping you with a female naval officer. <laughs> you and a Kelly McGillis type? Mmm... I feel like take my breath away, Joe. I feel like female naval officers probably are like female basketball players and they just cheat on you. Like, I'm not <laughs> about that. I think everyone, if you spend nine months out of the year on a on a tiny uh, aluminum vessel or whatever they're made out of, you're in an open relationship. There's a lot of wink winks going on for sure. Um, anyway, they all have the great idea of like, we need to fuck a seaman. And another thing we quote all the time is Sushi Samba, which is featured prominently in this episode. Yeah. Because Richard keeps calling Samantha saying he's sorry for eating another woman's sushi. This is, of course, written by Michael Patrick King. He, he can't help himself but have Samantha meet Richard at our beloved Sushi, sushi Samba. <laughs> Try to say that three times fast. Uh, R.I.P., right? Yeah, it's no longer there. <laughs> well, the chain still exists. Like, there's one in Vegas that I keep meaning to go to. My sister-in-law just went to Dubai, and she's like, there's a sushi samba here. <laughs> we do need to do a Vegas-themed Sex in the City trip, probably. It's true. But I do miss the New York sushi samba because it had a very specific look, and that look was, like, very, like, 90s MoMA design store vibes. yeah. I guess I was more taken with just Samantha's outfit, and this is how I think I want to dress it for the fall, Chell, is just like tube dress, long suede coat, Christian Dior, just one <laughs> gigantic Christian Dior earring. 
Uh-huh. The Pat Field special. And just throwing martinis at guys. While this is cool, do we think this is justified? Um, it seems a little extra, but whatever. <laughs> Certainly has a lot of comedic value. So Carrie goes over to Miranda's house and Brady is having issues latching. And Carrie's like, maybe he's anorexic. Yeah, that wasn't great. I mean, I kind of liked it. (laughs) Look, I know it's politically incorrect, but it's a product of its time. We were making anorexia jokes back then. That's true. I mean, we're in the the height of Allie McBeal at the time that this episode is is airing. Right. Yeah, I think why people don't like this episode is kind of a reason why a lot of people also didn't like it just like that, which is a lot of tonal shifts sort of in contradiction of each other because you have Miranda who has had a life change, although her life is not over despite what this show is trying to tell you, but you have Carrie doing her same like dumb bullshit. Right. At a time where like clearly your friend is in need of, I don't know, silence. I can't imagine being this uncomfortable by a woman breastfeeding and I can't imagine having the reaction to like my friend's naked body that she has. Also, Miranda's tits don't look that fucked. No, they look great. Juicy, natural, you know. Like, imagine if I saw you topless and then was like, I need trauma counseling. (laughs) That's actually a very Anthony line. Like, that makes sense from, like, a mean-spirited gay Gay man. man, But from Carrie, it's like, what is your problem? I'm sure there's a GoFundMe somewhere just for that exact thing. Somewhere in this, Samantha and Carrie are talking, and Carrie can't help but uh, make an anthrax reference, referring to Richard as manthrax. Right. But my question to you is... Also a product of its time. time. (laughs) A question for you. Do you think that Samantha no longer does Richard Wright's PR? Because that would definitely... Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, but that would definitely be a page six item that they were rumored to be together and then she no longer does his PR and so they're probably not together. You're right. I would have loved to see Samantha get a page six moment. It's always Carrie. I I guess she got some um, press when she was dating Smith Jared. Yeah, although a very valid line. I signed up for friendship, not some PC baby brunches. (laughs) True. This episode has great dialogue that I did not remember. It does. I also really enjoyed the next scene, the Charlotte and Anthony walk and talk. And another thing I have to say about and just like that, not that anyone is listening or cares, but if we're never going to give Charlotte a plot line that doesn't involve her being a wife or a mother, can we at least give her a walk and talk? Like, it feels like she's being held hostage in her own apartment. Like, it's whatever happened to baby Jane or some shit. (laughs) Let her out into the world. Yeah. Let her below 42nd Street. Just let her and Anthony have an outdoor conversation in Central Park. Right. Or something. Not separated by their phones. I did enjoy... He has so many good lines in this scene. Uh, Fuck the French. I don't need that drippy shit. (laughs) I also like how he described his taste in movies as anything with Josh Hartnett. And it's like, okay, so what are you watching? Like the faculty? Uh, Pearl Harbor. This is another. Oh, I pro- forgot he was in that. Another product of its time. Hollywood Homicide with Harrison Ford. <laughs> I would be watching Halloween H2O personally. Right. Charlotte runs into a sailor, which Anthony wants her to fuck because she said, fuck him. Get rid of that Park Avenue flaccid PP energy you've been dragging around. <laughs> <sighs> Fair enough. Yeah. 
Not the worst advice. And then Samantha is having a kind of Amy Dunn gone girl moment, a proto gone girl moment where she's like, I want him to feel pain. What should I do? And uh, instead of like the PR genius she is planting a, a wonderful blind item in page six, perhaps, she instead canvasses his entire neighborhood with fuchsia pink posters that call him a liar and a cheater. Right. And then she has a interaction with a police woman, a police officer. Is police woman politically incorrect? Che Diaz, can you let us know? Woke uh, moments. Shut up. <laughs> and this, I think, is one of the funniest moments in the entire series, let alone this episode. When she says, this man told me he loved me, and then I caught him eating another woman's pussy, and the officer goes, carry on. The officer played by Chandra Wilson from Grey's Anatomy, another Che Diaz connection. Right. The Shondaland verse meeting the MPK verse. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing in this particular instance. If I'm going to believe in any multiverse, this is the multiverse I want where characters from Shonda Rhyme shows are freely going amongst, you know, from like the two broke girls set to, and just like that and Sex in the City. It does seem like Seema's character could have escaped from Shondaland. She could have come from like private practice that spin off with Kate Walsh as a, as a boutique gynecologist, I think, <laughs> that show was about. I don't know. <laughs> so then we have Carrie, Carrie's big day out. Right. Carrie and the no good, awful day. This is also something that's seared into my memory are the paparazzi photos of when her skirt blows mm -hmm. up Same. were everywhere. Yeah. That was a big Us Weekly photo, I remember. And I remember being like, black underwear, interesting choice. <laughs> and also, she's just at the beginning of her pregnancy, but she still has, like, insane abs, is what I remember from that photo, too. Yeah. So it's just, it looked like, it's as if she had, like, a big meal, but then those, like, six-pack is right over it. Yeah. First, she goes to the Guggenheim, or attempts to go to the Guggenheim, which is closed. There's no pain yeah. Like the pain of going to a museum that's closed. I was in a I was in a fight with a guy once and we were like, you know what? Let's like break the tension. Let's go up to the design museum. And it was like closed that day. But we had looked it up. And where we fucked up was it was like the restaurant in the museum was open, but the museum itself wasn't open. Right. And uh, yeah, not with that person. Yeah, not I feel like I always like used to go to the Whitney on the wrong day. Uh, so she can't get in. Then it starts raining. Well, then it's in well, it's incredibly windy. That's when her her skirt blows up, which reminded me of something that happened to you, Chelsea. I already talked about my garbage tornado experience here. I don't need to reopen <laughs> old wounds. But then it starts spontaneously raining. I don't even think this is the worst New York moment you can have. The worst New York moment you can have is when it's that wind rain and then you do have an umbrella, but then it goes like it reverses and then the umbrella's just fucked and you have to throw it away. And then you end up like stabbing yourself with this hard part of the umbrella and then like you have to go get a tetanus shot. That vibe. <laughs> so at least that didn't happen to Carrie. I mean, what is she complaining about? Yeah. Carrie under the awning with the guy is so cringy. And this is my nightmare of when I'm being sarcastic or like doing banter mm -hmm. that it's going to it's going to fall f as flat as it does with this guy who I had always assumed it was established didn't speak English. But I think maybe I told myself that when I first watched the episode to make it less awkward. <laughs> right. It is very funny. 
and awkward. I think this is a very well done part of the episode, actually. Yeah. I think we like watching Carrie get the proverbial pie in her face, like when she gets her Manolos stolen. But I don't think we like when Carrie acts awkward. Right. Like, this is tough to see, and it feels very off balance. But this is the scene where we got an and just like that, which was, and just like that, it can go from bad to cute. Oh, yeah. We forgot the I couldn't help but wonder, which is completely unhinged. Can you read it? Of course. Later that night, I got to thinking about days gone by. That carefree time when our schedules were as wide open as our hearts. The time before the baggage and the breakups and babies began to weigh us all down. You can't tell me that Nicole Kidman doesn't say this during the AMC ad, okay? (laughs) That AMC ad is missing a I couldn't help but wonder. I couldn't help but wonder. Does that sense of adventure still flicker inside of us? Or when it comes to being carefree single girls, have we missed the boat? What the fuck was that word salad? What? I don't think anyone's really missed the boat except for possibly Miranda, although I maintain that she has enough help to be able to go out and have a normal social life. Yeah, there are 10,000 versions of the Housewives reality franchise. They're all partying it up in their 50s. Yeah. So yeah, Carrie escapes to a diner. She meets Sylvia Miles, best known for being a Warhol person and starring in Midnight Cowboy, iconic New York nightlife fixture. This is yet another brilliant bit of casting. (laughs) A brilliant bit of casting, but like Michael Patrick King's crusade of like showing Carrie how terrifying remaining single could be. And it's like, I don't know. She seems cool. (laughs) She seems pretty cool, except for the fact that she's openly doing drugs in the middle of the day. It's lithium. You're acting like (laughs) it's special K that she's doing. Uh, also could have been Carol Kane, another possible casting choice for her. Oh, now you're just making me want like a, a Sex in the City version of Scrooge. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that would have been great if they had a Scrooge style episode. Yeah. Just one that completely broke the format of the show. A Christmas special. Also, if you're doing something just for HBO Max, come on. Give us like a, a, a bonkers Black Mirror-esque, like not tied to the show episode. What is the and just like that version of Scrooge? <laughs> well, Carol Kane is the ghost of Christmas future. That's Carrie's future. Right. Big's definitely the ghost of Christmas past or something. Is Natasha Leone playing her previous <laughs> self? This is where Carrie realizes that she is in a relationship with New York because New York is not only lovely, but also dismissive, abusive, and makes me feel desperate. (laughs) Yeah. Because Carrie can't get a cab. And, you know. Somehow desperation feels good in a place (laughs) like this. But it is true. There's nothing. You will do unfathomable things to get a taxi when you need a taxi. Like, there's nothing quite like that desperation when you need to fucking find a taxi. There is just... Well, what are you doing? Like, don't tell me you're one of those people that's, like, stealing cabs, because that, to me, is the ultimate sin. I've never done that. Me neither. I wouldn't even know how. You just go in on the other side? you just get in first. I mean, all of my taxis have stopped in front of me, so... Um, No, I more have experienced the... uh, you think it's an available taxi, but then it it's, it reads off duty. Right. And I feel like they just shouldn't be on the fucking road. <laughs> well, now they're not. There's no cabs in New York anymore. The city looks completely different. Just not having that, like, yellow splashed throughout the landscape. It's a right. completely different vibe. 
it's surreal. I'm sure we're going to get a line by that in the next season of In Just Like That. So anyway, she she can't find a cab. A lovely seaman, yes, I'm going to keep referring to them as seamen, come out of the cab, gets her the cab, and is like, hey, come to this party. The hip happening Navy party. In Midtown. Yeah. So the girls go, the girls minus Miranda, because she has a kid now and her life is sad. And her cat eats her child's umbilical cord. <laughs> gross. But like not gross enough to have to like call Steve or like scream at your nanny to like deal with it like that doesn't seem like that's part of her job description this is a rare moment where you see Miranda be a bit like Karen-y and entitled for sure and Carrie makes the astute point he may not be a core shaker but he was there when she was shaken to the core great yeah now what do you think came first i think this concept came first and then that's why uh miranda in the diner scene says he's not a core shaker just so he could get this turn of phrase later in the episode right they all look really hot going to this party i think yeah very hot but nothing really happens at the party i think that's a problem with this episode nothing really happens in this episode it feels very rudderless, which this season in general was very rudderless. And I think that's why people associate this episode with kind of being one of the worst, because it does set off just a really lackluster season in general. Right. Because of its content, because of what was going on behind the scenes. And did I say because of its length? Also, because it's not very long. Yeah. No, it's not long at all. But Carrie does see Charlotte's tits, Samantha's tits, both fabulous, by the way. I love this man's uh, consent and respecting of, of boundaries <laughs> when she's like, I think that's it. He's like, it's your call, ma'am. <laughs> I was like, love a respectful military officer. Carrie meets up with Louis from Louisiana, a precursor to Louise from St. Louis. Right. In the first film, I feel like this is one of those things like the faggot baguette <laughs> thing where it's like they just forgot that they already made that joke. So they did it again. Right. Or, you know, they loved it so much. Um, Why can't Carrie have a one night stand with a younger man? Like, why can't we give that to her? She could, but her vibes are off. And sometimes that's what happens in life, especially if you go to like a big party, you know. Look, you know, we all get the ick in different ways, but because this man said that New York wasn't for him, which is the most tepid dig at New York, she isn't going to fuck him. He's hot, too. She really should have. What a wonderful way to have set off season five of like, well, Carrie's had boyfriends. She's been engaged. Let's have her fuck a young... Let's give her a Pete Davidson moment. Yeah. Not that they even knew that as Pete Davidson was six at the time when this episode was made yeah um i did while going to the imdb trivia section i wanted to see if there was any good trivia and there's one bit of horrifying trivia okay lay it on me do you remember because as you said we see carrie in this episode sees miranda's tits charlotte's tits and then she says to samantha what am i going to see your tits and samantha fully shows her boobs in front of a room of raucous men which i don't think would happen post me too i mean in a media climate samantha's always down to show her tits to anyone but samantha says that should land her a sailor and then carrie goes yeah it'll it'll tail hook you one and i remember in the episode i was like i don't really 
Get that? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Maybe it's like a fun carry pun. No, this is a reference to the tail hook scandal, which was a series of incidents where over 100 U.S. Navy and Marine Corps aviation officers sexually assaulted 83 women and seven men and otherwise engaged in, quote, improper and indecent conduct over four days at the Las Vegas Hilton from September 8th what? to 12th, 1991. <laughs> You sexually assaulted 83 women in four days? And you thought the anorexia joke was bad. <sighs> Boy. Wow. So, how many uh, Manolos are we giving this episode? Uh, well, Samantha goes back with Richard, which is, that's a low Manolo moment as well. You can't give it a low Manolo just because a character makes a poor life choice. No, I'm just saying, like, it ending on that and then me ending the episode finding out about that trivia point. Like, really, <laughs> it really went from, like, a six to a four for me. Okay, I'm giving it five Manolos simply because of Sushi Samba and Samantha, like, wheat pasting his neighborhood. Wait, how many? Five. Five. Okay, Manolos. so I gave it four. Yeah. So is it four and a half average? Do we have to average or no, no, no. Sure. we can have separate. <laughs> sure, I guess it's four normal normal Manolos and one kitten heel. Oh, okay. It's no longer the Pete chewed up Manolo as the half one, it's just a kitten heel. Or maybe it's maybe the half one is the Manolo Birkenstock collaboration or something. Anyway. Yeah, I think it it's not one of the funniest episodes, but it's also not one of those more emo poignant ones like my motherboard myself or even like the finale of the fourth season like i'm not getting like moon river sad chills right from this all right fair enough all right guys i think we got to go back to a high manolo episode <laughs> yeah for sure i mean the only way further down is rewatching tragically hip or sex in the city too should we do a really high episode oh that's an interesting question what do you think is one of the best we haven't done hot child in the city yet Ooh. And I think that is a very high Manolo episode. All right, guys. Next month, Hot Child in the City. Bye, fuckheads.